on July 20th, Russian President Vladimir Putin flew to Tehran to meet with his Iranian counterpart, President Ibrahim Raisi, and Supreme Leader Ayatollah Khomeini. Also flying in from Turkey was President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Talks between the three leaders were set to focus on Syrian issues. But the visit of Putin also served to highlight and build on existing Iranian-Russian relations. For the embattled Russian president, his short Tehran diplomatic holiday was a chance to cement his eastward-looking perspective, as the prospect for a return to the Western diplomatic scene shrinks smaller and smaller the longer his invasion of Ukraine continues. This week, we're exploring the state of Russian-Iranian relations, what effect Russia's war in Ukraine has had, and what the future may hold. My name is Hugo Goodrich. Welcome to the New Arab Voice. Russian-Iranian relations are compartmentalized, historical, strategic, and have the promise uh, with both countries under sanctions of growing economically. This is Sanam Vakil, deputy head of the Middle East North Africa program at Chatham House. The relationship has had inflection points of tension and both countries do see an opportunity uh, through the war in Ukraine to strengthen ties. And Putin's visit to Tehran should be seen as symbolic. It's the highest profile visit he's made since the start of the war in February. And he's seeing the Iranian leadership, including Iran's Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei, as well as President Erdogan of Turkey. Um, And Putin seeks to showcase that he's not isolated, uh, despite Western efforts to isolate him. The Western response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine was damning. The invading nation was almost instantly slapped with a series of sanctions that targeted both the national economy and individuals close to the regime. But the response was not shared globally. It's isolated in the West, but it's not isolated in the global South. And many countries from the Middle East all the way to Asia, have, including India, have taken a neutral position to Russia's aggression towards Ukraine and the war, uh, really because they see the outcome of the war as uncertain. They also see this as a Western war. And this hedging is a sort of reaction to geopolitical competition and the nature of multipolar politics. So I think that's important as a backdrop and a prism to understand Iran's engagement with Russia, but also other Middle Eastern countries' engagement with Russia. With Russia's invasion, Iran has a friend with shared common interests. Iran sees in Russia an ally, uh, a partner that has a shared worldview. Both countries see the West, and particularly the United States, in mistrustful terms. They see the West as um, looking to unseat both Russia and Iran uh, at the international level, at the regional level. And so this worldview brings them both together. And if you recall, President Biden was just in the Middle East last week, and he actually said that he wouldn't leave the Middle East. It's only becoming clear to me 
that how closely interwoven America's interests are with the successes of the Middle East. We will not walk away and leave a vacuum to be filled by China, Russia, or Iran. We'll seek to build on this moment with active, principal American leadership. So he lumped the three of them together. And I think that opens the door uh, and sort of justifies for Iran's conservative political establishment a close association with Russia. Prior to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, its relations with the West were not warm, but they were fairly functional. Russia would engage in talks with Western nations, trade would be conducted between Russia and Western states, and there was some semblance of an understanding, albeit an uneasy understanding. The story is not the same for Iran. Since the former Trump administration unilaterally withdrew from the Iran nuclear deal, or JCPOA, relations between it and the West soured immensely. They worsened even further with the imposition of sanctions and took a further downward turn with the election of Iranian hardliner Ibrahim Raisi in 2021. Russia is all too aware of Iran's desire for partners that share its anti-Western outlook. When it was in Russia's interest to keep the West on side, they had no trouble in joining in with efforts that worked against Iran. In 2008, Russia voted in the UN against sanctions on Iran, at a time when it needed Iranian support for its war in Georgia. By 2010, the international community had moved on from Georgia, and Iran's purpose had run out for Iran, who voted in favour of sanctions at the UN that year. Uh, relations with Iran was just one of many tools in, in Russia's toolbox, I would say, to manage its relations with the West. This is Hamid Reza Azizi, Katz Fellow at the German Institute for International Security Affairs, focusing on Iranian foreign policy. But, uh, of course, since, since the war in Ukraine, we've seen a different trend and things started to change. I would say the more... The prospect for going back to normal relations with the West, I mean, for Russia, the gloomier it gets, uh, the relationship with with the West, the more willing Russia uh, becomes to work with other states that have uneasy relations uh, with, with, uh, with the West also, like Iran and China. As Russia continues to become ever isolated from the West, its ties with Iran grow stronger. But despite this, And unlike Russian allies Syria and North Korea, Iran has refrained from taking a vocally supportive stance on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. When it comes to Iran's support for Russia, I think there is a delicate matter we need to take into consideration. And that's what exactly Iran uh, has been supporting. Because, you know, at the level of official statements, especially, you know, what we've heard from uh, Iranian foreign minister and foreign ministry in general has been that Iran does not support war in Ukraine or war in general. Uh, So in that sense, Iran has not supported Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khomeini, reiterated Iran's indirect objection to the war during his meeting with President Putin on Wednesday. But with an added caveat, that avoided any harsh criticism of Russian actions. Iranian state media quoted him as saying, War is a harsh and difficult reality, and the Islamic Republic will in no way be happy if it entangles ordinary people. In the case of Ukraine, however, 
If you had not taken the initiative, the opposite side would have caused the outbreak of war with its own initiative. Or the most important factor I would say is that Iran itself is a kind of multi-ethnic country and then supporting the annexation and invasion of a country to another one at some point, you know, come back to haunt Iran itself. And for that reason, like since 2014, Iran has not, for example, supported, uh, has not recognized uh, Crimea as part of Russia. And for the same reason, Iran has not recognized the uh, so-called independent status for those uh, two Georgian uh, republics that was separated by Russia in 2008. So this is important to take into account. But of course, Iran has support and increasingly supported Russia's narrative with regard to the Ukraine crisis. In that sense, I would say Iran is trying to maneuver between those different concepts to, on the one hand, not kind of present itself as a war supporter, and on the other hand, not to alienate Russia. You know, so on the one hand, they are saying that we don't endorse war, uh, but uh, of course, Russia has its own rights uh, to defend uh, its uh, own interests. And Sanam Vakil. Russian-Iranian relations have been quite complex. They're historical. Russia has invaded Iran a number of times and refused to actually leave Iranian territory. The Iranian political leadership is quite conscious of that history. And as a result, there is also suspicion and mistrust of Russia that looms large. There are also differences of um, interests and competition with Russia, particularly also today, um, as Russia is Uh, dumping oil on the market and and forcing Iran to discount prices. So there is a debate in Iran um, over the value of Russian-Iranian relations. And moderate Iranian policymakers who are not currently in power are more critical and are more mistrustful of Russia. But the conservative political establishment that has uh, a monopoly of influence within the unelected Iranian institutions and the elected Iranian institutions see the war, Russian isolation, sanctions, and this like-minded worldview as an opportunity for Iran to forge stronger ties with Russia. Oil is an issue that deeply affects both Russia and Iran. The U.S. sanctions campaign of maximum pressure has forced Iran to confine its oil selling to the black market, along with Venezuela. Iran has been the sort of leader of discounted oil since uh, 2019, since maximum pressure sanctions constrained Iran's um, energy sales. And Iran has definitely been benefiting from the Biden administration's tolerance towards Iran's uh, discounted energy sales in an effort to revive the Iran nuclear agreement. This is putting downward pressure on Iran's oil sales. But with Russia now joining Iran as a heavily sanctioned country, they too are joining the black market for oil. But then uh, the Ukraine war happened and Russia started to see uh, itself in a situation that, uh, you know, it's oil and increasingly it's gas. Uh, are sanctioned by the West, and it's uh, in, a, in a matter of one night, uh, it has lost a lot of uh, customers. So uh, what's left was uh, basically China. So Russia started selling its oil with even a, a greater discount uh, than Iran. So this kind of competition exists even uh, under the sanctions. And the winner, of course, here is China. If you're a large nation state looking for cheap oil to support growth, 
then you'll likely be envious of China, who currently only need to sit back and watch Iran and Russia compete between each other to sell more of their oil at a discount. Although Sanam believes that, given time, Russia and Iran will likely find a space between them where they can both sell oil on the black markets. Iran and Russia have compartmentalized tensions, and so this will no doubt emerge in the bilateral conversations, but it is nothing that is going to impede the relationship, and perhaps there will be workarounds or sort of compensations offered to Iran by moving forward on this 20-year Russia-Iranian economic agreement, strategic agreement, for example, uh, in order to sort of build a a, a more robust uh, relationship. The 20-year deal between Russia and Iran was first presented by Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi on a trip to Moscow in January of this year. The deal will reportedly increase collaboration in security, transportation and trade initiatives. At the same time as the deal was being presented, one Iranian lawmaker suggested that annual trade between the two countries could reach $25 billion. Trade has been increasing, up by over 80% in 2021, but it still represents a small component in the economies of the two nations. In 2021, bilateral trade between Russia and Iran peaked at $3.5 billion. While not an insignificant amount, it pales in comparison to Russian-Turkish trade, which in the same year was measured at being between 20 and $25 billion. They have rival economies, I would say, because both economies have been based on exporting energy. This makes them competitors. After the revival of the JCP, for example, Russia was quite worried that Iran uh, might take its position uh, in the energy markets. So in a way, American withdrawal from the JCP was a gift to Russia as well, energy-wise. And secondly, because they don't have enough uh, potential for trade. What do they have? to export to each other. Uh, None of them has uh, export-oriented economies. None of them has uh, basically a a really industrial economy. So it's been uh, mostly about uh, exporting raw material, etc. But what Iran uh, hopes to get from better relations with Russia is basically could be through uh, the Eurasian Economic Union, which has been, of course, a Russian initiative to reintegrate post-Soviet states, uh, but at the same time, you know, Iran's integration in that, at least theoretically, may provide Iran with some more uh, economic opportunities. And especially after the Ukraine crisis, I'm even more uh, kind of doubtful that anything concrete in terms of, of trade relations, economic relations can come out from all those agreements. Are the recent talks in Tehran a memorandum of understanding worth a reported $40 billion, was signed between the National Iranian Oil Company and Russia's energy giant Gazprom. But Hamad Reza remains sceptical. If that happens, it would mean Iran handing over its most strategic assets to its main competitor in the markets, you know, and Russia would make sure that those infrastructures would remain either underdeveloped enough to not challenge Russia's own interests or to be basically in the hands of Russia itself to have even more leverage in its relations with the West, actually. Beyond the trading of physical goods, there are other less tangible things that the two countries can trade. 
there are prospects for increased trade going forward as Iran is uh, supposedly been offering uh, Russia sanctions busting strategies, the use of Iranian territory as an economic corridor to transport goods out of the Persian Gulf and, and to the east. There could be increased uh, military sales between both countries, which would be important, particularly for Iran. And Iran is looking to obtain access to grain. The trading of weapons, and in particular, the purchasing of Iranian drones by Russia, was an issue of particular concern for the US. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan spoke to reporters on July 11th. And that is that our information indicates that the Iranian government is preparing to provide Russia with up to several hundred UAVs, including weapons-capable UAVs, on an expedited timeline. Our information further indicates that Iran is preparing to train Russian forces to use these UAVs, with initial training sessions slated to begin as soon as early July. It's unclear whether Iran has delivered any of these UAVs to Russia already. Iran started basically by looking at kind of developing indigenous uh, military industry, and they started by missiles, etc. But now, since a couple of years ago, since a few years ago, they started talking more and more about their ability to export. Of course, in terms of transferring uh, military hardware outside, that thing is not new because Iran has been providing its proxies and also uh, non-state allies throughout Middle East with uh, different types of missiles and more recently drones, etc. But What is discussed now in terms of Iran providing drones uh, to Russia is uh, something quite new. Uh, So to give some context, just a few months ago, Iran established a drone factory in Tajikistan. And that was seen as a huge step in Iran. And it was promoted as such in the state narrative as a great achievement in terms of turning Iran into an arm exporter. And now we are hearing uh, these reports about Russia's willingness to acquire Iranian drones. So at the level of uh, willingness, I think both uh, both sides are quite kind of willing to do that. But then comes uh, the issue of capabilities, actual capabilities to produce as, uh, you know, what the U.S. says as hundreds of drones. U.S. intelligence claims to have satellite imagery of Iranian Shahid-191 and Shahid-129 drones in flight and on show at an airfield with a Russian transport plane nearby. If Iran did sell military drones to Russia, and if those drones were then to be used in Ukraine, then such an action would run counter to Tehran's narrative. But my understanding currently is that first, at the moment, Iran does not have the capability of exporting hundreds of drones. So there might be what what the United States is talking about might be some kind of understanding or some kind of agreement between Iran and Russia to cooperate on on producing or mass production of drones. That is uh, more probable. And then also, I still have doubts that, you know, those drones uh, would be used in uh, the Ukraine front because Iran doesn't want to be seen as taking Russia's side in the war in Ukraine. In the narrative, that's different. Uh, so for those reasons, I think it's a matter of military technological cooperation between the two. If such a deal were to be arranged, it might not be a straight drones for money scenario. Iran has long been seeking to upgrade its air force with modern fighter jets and could exchange drones 
for Russian jets. Iran has had a front-row seat to the devastating effectiveness of Russian jets in Syria, an arena where the two countries have worked together and will likely continue to do so. There is one final piece to the Iran-Russia file, the nuclear deal. Signed in 2015, it was designed to limit Iran's nuclear activity to prevent them from acquiring nuclear weapons. In return, the West would remove sanctions. When the former Trump administration withdrew from the deal, relations hit a new low, and nuclear activity in Iran increased. Since the Biden administration came into power, they have sought with other Western states and Russia to seek a revival or a replacement to the deal. Talks have stumbled, stuttered and stalled. And Russia's invasion has complicated the nuclear Gordian knot. Saman Vakil. So there are two layers to this. Russia would not, in theory, like to see the acceleration of Iran's nuclear program or Iran becoming a nuclear threshold or nuclear weapons state. But again, if you put Russia's position into the context, the geopolitical context, and the broader tension with the United States and the West, Iran becomes a useful tool in this broader struggle. And so Putin might be taking a message to Khamenei that Russia will protect Iran if tensions increase, Russia will protect Iran should Iran's nuclear file be referred to the uh, UN Security Council, for example, by vetoing any uh, resolutions that come forward. So there is a, a symbiotic, perhaps quid pro quo, that both sides are, are looking to leverage in this relationship. And final words to Hamid Reza Azizi. Iran now sees no alternative for itself because they don't see any clear prospect that even if the JCPOA is revived, the U.S. will uh, remain committed to it. The Russians are pushing for that uh, with, uh, in, in two main ways. First, they started, as we all remember, by creating uh, kind of hurdles in the way of the JCPOA talks, because before that, uh, the sides were all kind of doing good, uh, more or less. But then Russia asked for its own guarantees, it caused a delay. Then Russia backed off. Why Russia backed off is very important. Russia backing off from its position happened exactly after, you know, Lavrov uh, met with Iranian uh, Foreign Minister Amir Abdullahian in Moscow. And, you know, they came out of the meeting and Russia uh, just suddenly changed its position. I think, you know, there have been some mutual assurances by Iran and Russia in the way, for example, that Russia kind of assuring Iran that maneuvering on those already, uh, you know, developed uh, suspicions uh, toward the West among the Iranians that, look, you cannot trust the West, but we will support your further integration into the Eurasian, uh, for example, structures, etc. And uh, you just support our position, don't allow the West to do this against our interests, something like that. So in that sense, Russia has its own policy of uh, stick and carrots, I would say, toward Iran in order to make sure that the JCPOA is not going to revive. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The New Arab Voice. It was produced and written by me, Hugo Goodridge, with additional help from Rosie McCabe, Benjamin Ashraf and Kareem Trabulsi. 
Our theme music was by Omar El Phil. The New Arab Voice will be back next week. Until then, you can find all our previous episodes on all major podcast platforms. You can also check out our Instagram page and Twitter account, both at The New Arab Voice, for additional content. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and you can also rate and review, which helps us spread the word. Don't forget to follow The New Arab on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news from the region. We'll be right back.